and transfer portal expert for 24-7 sports. And uh, this has become a huge deal to try to cover and and watch these things uh, closely. These Oh, good, good. Chris is there. Chris is there. He hears me vamping while we're trying to endeavoring to reach him. And uh, Chris, it was good to see you at the uh, at the Big 12 title game the other day. Nice to meet you. And, uh, I mean, you didn't make me feel old at all when you uh, were discussing <laughs> perhaps uh, listening to me on Dallas radio as you were growing up. But, uh, but that's okay. As long as you were listening, I don't care if you were six years old or whatever you were. But, uh, and by the way, your parents should not have been letting you listen to Galloway and me on radio. I'm not sure <laughs> if you were learning the proper things, but uh, – that was quite a uh, – uh, Chris, that was quite a, uh, a game you saw the other day. And I would say um, it's not typical that a game ends on just like a, a goal line stand, but especially not like, uh, you know, seven plays in a row that are right down there in the goal line. I would say that Baylor, when you, when you um, count all the other stands they made in the red zone, uh, that, was, that was some pretty good red zone defense you saw, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Galloway would have been a big fan of it uh, as well. Um, <laughs> kind of the old school there for sure. Um, yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, those goal line stands in the fourth quarter totally shifted the game. I think Oklahoma State was within the two yard line seven times and didn't get in once. And that type of effort wins you a championship, and that's what it did on Saturday. And I thought Oklahoma State was probably the better team. I think the stats kind of show that out. Um, if you kind of look at the game holistically and not just focus on the first half when Blake Shapin was so good, but Baylor made the plays when it mattered and that defense, um, which I don't think has a ton of like day one or K two NFL guys, maybe Charles Bernard gets in that mix. Jalen Petrie is not going to be an early round pick, even though he was the big 12 defensive player of the year. He's one of my favorites. I like, I love watching that kid, but Dave Aranda coached them well and they play so hard. And it's the reason why Baylor's a champion. Yeah, Chris, uh, you may we may uh, decide that you're good luck. So if you want to come to New Orleans, uh, we will host you. We'd love to have you there at the Sugar Bowl and uh, so, you know, see if you see if you can fit us in there. Um, uh, there at twenty. I get in trouble. I get in trouble in Louisiana most of the time, um, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You did not strike me as a young man that would get in a lot of trouble, but okay, if you say so. Although you do, it seems like you might spend some time in Austin these days. So. There's probably trouble to be to, to get into there. Now, speaking of Austin, um, this is fascinating. You have the uh, latest on Quinn Ewers, the uh, the young man who is uh, transferred out of Ohio State. First of all, you follow the portal closely for twenty four seven. Would this be the uh, the most decorated since the uh, since the the we started talking about the transfer portal constantly? I might add, is is this the the highest profile? transfer that has ever entered the transfer portal i i think so probably we've had some pretty big names over the years under the portal i think justin fields is right there with him and obviously we saw what justin fields did at georgia or at ohio state when he transferred he went to the national title game he was a heisman finalist and quinn is that type of prospect um i know he hasn't been on the field like justin was a little bit as a true freshman in georgia but for those who aren't too familiar with Quinn, he should be a high school senior right now. He should be playing with South Lake Carroll in the playoffs. And before he got to Ohio State, we kind of talked about him as a generational prospect. He was a guy that 
some had labeled as the best since Trevor Lawrence. So that's kind of the, um, the laurels he's carried with him um, since he was like 15 or 16. And if you've ever seen him in person, you just, the ball comes off differently in his hands. Like he's a different thrower of the football and you really, it's very obvious when you see it. And um, if he gets to Texas or he gets to Texas tech, like that is a program changing presence in my mind. So you had, I I feel like you have Texas a little bit in the lead with tech right behind him and then uh, TCU and he's been over to TCU, check things out, enjoyed his visit. uh, According to your report, at uh, Texas Tech. Now, what do you think? The one thing you mentioned is Texas Tech has a bit of a crowded quarterback room, interestingly enough, because we don't think of Tech right now and go, oh, they're just stacked with quarterbacks, but they do have some talent. Now, as you said, though, Chris, wouldn't they clear the decks for this young man? Wouldn't they say, hey, Baron, love you? Uh, Baron Morton, who I'm talking about, uh, who's who's uh, one of the guys that was a highly rated uh, quarterback, would Tech kind of clear everything to make this kid the starter? And can you imagine what this would do for Joey McGuire early in his time at Tech if they landed this uh, this level of a talent? Oh, it, I mean, I, I would imagine the deck gets cleared. If you are in a quarterback room at Texas Tech, and I like Baron Morton as much as the next person. I think we had him super high at 24-7 sports in terms of the rating. I think he's got a really bright future. I think he is the future at Texas Tech presently. But if Quinn comes into that room, he's probably going to play. But there will be a competition. I think there's just more depth there and more competition to the point where I think it's not as much of a lock that Quinn would play as opposed to Texas, which probably sounds like the inverse of what should happen given recruiting rankings and stuff like that. But uh, Texas Tech quarterback room is pretty good and pretty deep. But, yeah, it would would be so big for Joey McGuire. And, like, I've never met a person who doesn't like Joey McGuire. Like he is one of those people who I just feel like resonates with everyone. Like you've talked to him for five minutes and you feel like, you know, him. and if he can get in Quinn in his first year and have two years of can win yours on his roster, there's no telling what he can do recruiting in the DFW area, recruiting in Texas. And like, frankly, on the field, um, that's not an untalented roster. That's in Lubbock right now. Matt Wells did not leave the covered bear. And if you add Quinn years to that, like, especially if Texas and Oklahoma move on and we're in a new look, Big 12, Texas Tech is fully capable of making some noise quickly. If he flips several Baylor recruits, we'll learn not to like him, okay? Let me just put it that way, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I like Joey personally, but, uh, but yes, at some point we might be like, okay, Joey, that's enough. There's some kid at Rockwell Heath right now that, that I'm hearing he's after. Last name is Neighbors, wide receiver, quick, quick, quick. I mean, fat. And uh, and I'm I'm I would hate uh, that's a Baylor commit, but uh, Joey is kind of and he got this new uh, office coordinator from Western Kentucky, and you're following all that too. So that's going to be kind of interesting. That, that's a former uh, that's a guy with a lot of uh, Texas Tech ties. So we'll see what happens. Now talking to Chris Hummer, 24/7, he covers the portal for them. Uh, he's been following all these coaches pretty closely. Now, why do you say, when we're talking about Quinn Ewers, and this is that stud kid from uh, from South Lake Carroll that we're, we've been talking about, great quarterback, why do you think the infrastructure, I think as you put it, is so good for him at the University of Texas? I mean, you could say maybe it's perfect because, like you say, the two quarterbacks this, this past year did not get it done. Sark is somewhat known as a quarterback whisperer. How did um, – did Sark get to – you think he got to know Quinn 
pretty well in the family when he was still at Alabama during the recruiting process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve Sarkeesian was kind of Alabama's lead recruiter on Quinn. So I think Alabama Alabama was running third behind um, Texas and Ohio State during that process. Oklahoma was right there, too, for a long time with Lincoln Riley, too. So those were kind of the main four for Quinn coming out of high school. And Alabama was always in there because of Steve Sarkeesian, because of what Steve Sarkeesian had done with Tua, because of what Steve Sarkeesian had done with Mac Jones. And I mean, if he recruited Bryce Young too, so he was on that roster as well. So I think Steve is known as Steve Sarkeesian is known as a quarterback whisperer. There's a young receiver in place with Xavier Worthy who's going to be a superstar for Texas. They are a more talented team, and I want to stress on paper, it hasn't always translated on the field. They are a more talented team in Texas Tech on paper. They're better offensive linemen on paper at Texas, and you have to. If you're Quinn, you have to believe in what the vision Steve Sarkeesian is selling to you. And if you're Quinn, you're listening to a guy who's put several quarterbacks in the league, dating all the way back to his time at USC when he was working with Matt Leinard and those guys. So he has a long history of that. So I, I think that is the infrastructure and the vision that Steve Sarkeesian is pushing Quinn on. Plus, just frankly, Austin is a large market, and Quinn has shown that he cares about things like name, image, and likeness. Yeah, although you've seen the Aggies recruit like crazy, and I'm not certain that Austin, it used to be, well, you want to go to Austin or you want to College Station? I'm not certain that's as huge of a discrepancy as it used to be, although that might be, and that might be why Texas said, oh, let's go try the SEC. You know, let's, let's, go, let's go get in there and see if we can recruit uh, even better in the SEC. We shall see. Um, let me ask you this, uh, talking to Chris Hummer of the uh, of twenty four seven. When you're following all this uh, uh, stuff that's happening with the portal, I've noticed some, several offensive linemen. I've seen you indicate this is going to be ver- some uh, some some really talented offensive linemen out there. First of all, how do you know when a player ends up in the portal? Do, do y'all have like twenty four seven seems to have like a great database? How how are y'all alerted so quickly? Are you just is part of that being tied into all these different schools, and and it, or as part of it is you whatever database you look at, do you have the uh, do you have a better subscription to that than I do? <laughs> I don't know if I can give away all the trade secrets, but I would say <laughs> I would say we have a great network at twenty four seven Sports and a lot of people with a lot of connections, and we can kind of lean on them. Uh, to kind of figure out who is entering the transfer portal. Um, that's how we handle it. Um, as for the offensive line question, I won't pretend to be an offensive line evaluator. Like I was a very piss poor uh, kind of wide receiver and maybe sometimes defensive end in high school. But we have people like Blake Brockermeyer, who works for 24-7 Sports, former All-American of Texas, first-round pick, great at evaluating linemen, knows exactly what to look for. And like when we're grading those guys out in the transfer rankings, it's kind of, that's good. Those are kind of the guys that we've passed to Blake to hope he uh, can answer the questions. Yeah, but you know that these are like big name kind of guys. Now, like for instance, the University of Texas player that I saw uh, enter the portal um, is um, like, will that be a very coveted? Do you think he'll be a very coveted player? I think that's happened within the past what forty-eight hours or or so, or seventy-two hours, I should say. Um, and I think you probably know who I'm talking about. Is that like, or, uh, is the you know Baylor, for instance? 
the team you watched the other day. The guy from Buffalo, Gall, um, has yeah. been huge for them this year. And then Miller, I think he caught a pass the other day. It was batted down, and he might have caught a pass, but uh, that came from Vandy. I mean, teams are – it's not just, oh, let's patch something up. Some teams are patching a lot of holes with these transfers. Is that uh, – it, but but you feel you feel like there's some guys out there that would allow teams to do that right now. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, offensive linemen are, is a really unique case, as you said. Like Baylor got two of the best offensive line transfers on the market last year, and they came from Buffalo and Vanderbilt. Not exactly powers, right? So you can find them uh, pretty much anywhere. A really interesting one is Willie Tyler came from ULM. He was one of the better. Offensive lineman in the Sun Belt this year. Um, he was originally a Texas signee. He has a bunch of Power Five offers now. Uh, one of the top transfers, offensive line transfers in the market right now is Miles Frazier. He comes from Florida International. Um, he has offers from probably 30 plus schools at this point. Um, he is a guy that's drawing a ton of interest. Um, Sion Finau um, from FIU as well is going to be a pretty big name. He's got a lot of offers. Like, you have to scouts with offensive linemen really have to dig kind of deep. You're going to see a lot of FCS linemen jump up too. It's the hardest position to recruit. You need more of them than any other. And um, you get to really get creative with linemen in the portal, but that is by far the most needworthy position in the portal for teams. And they're by far the fewest number of good offensive linemen in the portal. So teams have to be aggressive and they really have to kind of dig deep to find the hidden gems. All right, last thing. Do you have you heard anything on uh, on uh, Jacob Zeno, the uh, former uh, Baylor quarterback, went in the portal early this season? And quite honestly, I've I've just never heard anything. He's a very talented player from San Antonio, who I, I'm sure you uh, remember him being recruited and that type of thing. Uh, do you uh, have you heard any scuttlebutt on where he might land? Honestly, and I know this doesn't make for great radio, I, I have not. Jacob Zeno is a person that I've tried to kind of get some information on a couple times. I haven't really been able to reach out. Um, it's a very crowded quarterback area operation in the portal right now. There's a ton of former starters. So I don't know where he is kind of on boards, but I would imagine that he'll end up in a pretty decent place. Like I, He is a very talented QB. He's got a great arm and I know the Baylor staff liked him before he went in the portal, so um, I'm equally as curious as where he ends up. Just uh, if you get that news, don't break it on Twitter. Break it on the Matt Mosley show, okay? Uh, (laughs) I will will call uh, in directly, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 24-7. I think they'll understand. I've got a lot of friends there. Everything will be fine. Uh, Chris, good to have you on. Great to meet you, and uh, and look forward to – I still have Galloway on sometimes. He's retired oh, at yeah. age 77 or 78, and uh, and he just kind of drives around all day looking at whatever. He'll hear about something out in uh, Alito area, and he'll just drive around and look at it. That's really all he does. <laughs> and, uh, uh, anyway, all right, Chris, take it easy. Absolutely. Thanks so much, and I apologize about the tardiness. Oh, no, you're fine. We, we're only going to uh, – we'll just hold it out of your check uh, that we're about to send your way. Chris Hummer joining us from – 24-7 does a nice job uh, covering the transfer portal and all things in between.